New day, new horizon. Would you guys just uh, bow your heads? I want to pray, Lord Jesus. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you have brought people, strategic people into this place. I thank you that you have brought people into the family. I thank you that you brought people. I didn't even know who they were. And Lord, you have called them to life spring. I thank you, Lord. There's a stirring up within us. There's a stirring up within my wife and I that you have planted us here, Lord, that we're to have roots here, Lord, that we have been called for such a time as this to be here. And and so many people, Lord, they don't even get it. Like, how did I end up in Edgewood, Washington? How many of us have asked that question? How did I end up in Edgewood, Washington? We ended up here, Lord, because you love Edgewood, Washington, because you love this community, because you love Fife, Milton, and Edgewood, because you love Federal Way and you love Puyallup, you love this region, and you brought us here, Lord. You planted us here, Lord. And I pray that this would be a lighthouse. I pray that this would be a city on a hill. We're literally on a hill. And I pray, Lord, that the light of Christ would shine brightly from this hill and that God and the good news of your salvation would be heard throughout this region, Lord, throughout this region from this city on a hill. We thank you, Jesus, for life spring. We thank you for this community. We thank you that we get to move forward and we're moving forward together. Lord, we just pray for chairs. We pray for uh, just creativity on on how to make it happen, Lord, but that you would uh, do what only you can do because, Lord, I just... It's in my heart. We are not to be divided any longer. We're going in as family. We're going in as community. We're going in as one body, one spirit. We're going together. We're going together, Lord. We're going together. We are your people. And your people pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. So good. So April 28th. Please do not show up at 10 a.m. next Sunday. That's going to be awkward. I'm going to be on like point three of my sermon, and you're going to miss all the good stuff. So... 8.30 and 10.30 until then, uh, April 28th, one service at 10. All right, Luke chapter 3, verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, who's baptizing them, by the way, at this point? John, yeah. Jesus was baptized too. As he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. Say it with me, church. This is the Father God speaking to his Son. You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Baptized, submerged into water. Anybody here ever been baptized before? Yeah, pretty good. Now, this is a little different than the baptism we do, right? Because at this point in the story, Jesus has not had his uh, death and his resurrection, right? He hasn't raised from the grave yet. So at this point, um, this baptism is the baptism of John, the baptism for uh, the repentance, uh, baptism of the forgiveness of sins. But our baptism is a little different, right? Because when we are baptized, we identify with the life and death of not John, but who? Jesus, right? As Jesus went into the grave, we go into a watery grave. But as Jesus raised from the dead, what do we get to do? Well, I don't hold you under the water. I don't keep you there, right? Some of you a little bit longer than others. But uh, eventually, you are going to raise as well. You come out of that watery grave, bursting forth into life. Anybody else love baptisms? I mean, it, it's really one of my favorite things that we do at the church. In fact, I saw this video. This video encouraged me. It's just a baptism of a gentleman. Who knows where and what town or what city or what church, but it's so encouraging. Uh, let's go ahead and watch this together. Thank <laughs> you. 
<laughs> Isn't that awesome? I love it. Man, I just gives me goose. That's so powerful, right? By the way, if you want to get baptized, we'd love for you to get baptized. I have another picture. This is from Israel, uh, the last team that went over to Israel. And uh, you know a lot of these people here. And a bunch of us got baptized there in the Sea of Galilee. Uh, that's actually Terry Juman over there. And um, just powerful, powerful time to be baptized, to give your life to the Lord, to say, I am identifying both with your death and your resurrection. Again, if you want to get baptized, please let us know, because we would love to do another baptism here at the church. But here he is. There's a bunch of people getting baptized. John's baptism. Then Jesus comes in. He gets baptized. And then it says, as he was praying. Do Do you have that up on the screen? As he was praying. Did you know that the perfect son of man prayed? If you didn't know, uh, now you know. <laughs> and uh, if you didn't know that, get used to it. Because as you read the Bible, Jesus, he doesn't just pray once, right? Have you read the Bible? Jesus prays again and again and again. Get used to it. There's several accounts, even just in the book of Luke, where Jesus is praying. Who's he praying to? His dad. I love that answer. Yeah, his dad, his, his father. And, and I'm thankful for these written accounts of Jesus praying because I, I think we can uh, learn from Jesus, right? If Jesus prayed, then we should be praying, right? And he shows us, he's modeling for us what it looks like to be dependent upon the Father, to be desperate for the Father, to pray to the Father. And you just got to hear this today. You might want to write this down. Jesus is so into prayer. Jesus is so into prayer. Like some of you are so into Snapchat, right? Some of you are so into Fortnite. Now I realize about three-fourths of you have no idea what Snapchat or Fortnite is. But the other fourth of you are like, you know what I'm talking about, Pastor. I am so into Snapchat. All right, I'll, I'll help you out. Maybe you're so into coffee, right? That's maybe a couple more of us. So into coffee. Whatever it is, like my children, they're, they're so into some things. Um, one of my children, no names here, he's so into, oh, oh I already ruined it. Um, so into watching YouTube videos of someone else playing a video game. So he's not playing the video game. He's watching someone else play the video game. So into it. Another one of my children, she is so into watching grown-ups play with children's toys on YouTube. Have you ever seen that? I walked into my child watching an adult on a video screen playing with her toys. I, I just could not believe it. I totally don't get it. Uh, they, but they're so into this YouTube thing. And I just want you to hear that Jesus is so into prayer. And by the way, if you want to live a life that is healthy, if you want to live a life that is vibrant, a life that is full of joy, a life that is also life-giving towards others... The life that God designed you to live, get into prayer. Get into prayer. Prayer is the only way to go. In fact, Philippians 4, 6 tells us, do not be anxious about anything. That's a pretty relevant uh, scripture for us today in, in our world. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Present your requests to God. You want to watch a YouTube video, go for it. How about you watch one on prayer? <laughs> There's just some good ones on prayer. I can go to our prayer class. We've got two weeks left. I know you missed the first four weeks. No condemnation. We're not grading, and there's no attendance. Come on out. Tonight, 6 p.m., we've got two left. Get into prayer. You can pray just like the Father prayed, right, or just like he asked us to pray. You remember that? He taught us how to pray. Hallelujah. You ever wonder, like, well, what should I pray? Jesus is like, well, here you go. Here's the answer. You got your Bibles. You were already in Luke chapter 3. Flip a couple more pages. It's not too hard. It gives you some burning of calories moving that finger. But move them all the way to chapter 11. 
Okay, so no one brought their Bibles. I'm not hearing any papers. Maybe you brought your phones. Move the thumb, the thumb exercises. You don't want to get that arthritis. Come on, keep it going. Swipe. Yeah, there we go. Kathy Ford's got her Bible. Two points in heaven for you. All right. (laughs) Chapter 11, verse 1. One day, oh, no way, no way. What was he doing? He was praying. So Dan doesn't lie. Praise the Lord. Okay, so one day he was praying in a certain place. When he finished, oh, man, I wish I was there. One of his disciples said, Lord, (laughs) teach us to pray. And that's a good question, right? You see Jesus, and Jesus is praying, and you're probably like, dude, that is awesome. And then, he's, and then you wait, right? You're like, well, he's, he's talking to his dad and stuff. And then he's done. He's like, hey, would you teach us how to pray? And he says, yeah, you bet. When you pray, say this with me, church. When you pray, it says what? Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Jesus prayed. We need to pray. If you don't know what to pray, just, I don't know, say Jesus. You ever been there before? I remember my brother, when I was younger, and I I didn't know what to pray, my brother just said, you know what, Dan, just say the name of Jesus. But I want to take it one step further. You don't just need to pray, which I think you do, by the way. But it's so important that you would desire to pray. You know, you get what I'm saying? It's kind of the line between religion and a relationship. You don't just need to pray, but that you would desire to pray. And maybe you need a heart change in this area. Maybe the Lord needs to do some surgery in your heart because prayer, it can become more like a chore, maybe an obligation compared to that vibrant, healthy, life-giving relationship. But we need to get to a place where we desire within our hearts to spend time with God. Right again, just look at chapter 11. Jesus isn't praying to his father out of some obligation, right? Well, I guess as you pray, you know, it's the godly thing to do. And since I'm God, uh, here we go. No, it's not out of some obligation. It's not some like check, you know, like check in the box. Like, I am awesome. I have been praying every day. No. Why is he praying? Because he loves his father. Right? Can Can we just strip away the religion for just a second? Why is he praying? He loves his father. He wants to spend time with his father. He prays to his father. He talks to his father from a real relationship of real love. And I think we've got to get serious about this. I want you to think, when was the last time you prayed to your heavenly father? When was the last time? And not just because you were trying to be a good Christian. Not just because everybody else was doing it. Or like, well, I guess, we should, you know, fried chicken's going to get cold, so we better pray. You know, like, here we go, Lord Jesus. I mean, when was the last time you prayed? Or... By the way, have you ever done that drive-through prayer? You know what I'm talking about—the drive-through prayer, the the prayer that's kind of like you're pulling into Chick-fil-A and praise the Lord for Chick-fil-A. But you're going through the drive-through and you get to that magical screen. Have you been to the magical screen before? Right? You you see the screen, you talk to the screen, you hope you're going to get a classic chicken sandwich, which is so good. Give me a couple pickles on that thing, and it's amazing. But then you talk to the magical screen, you move forward about a hundred feet, and then what are you hoping that the chicken sandwich comes out of the window? Praise the Lord. But that is not the kind of prayer that Jesus is modeling for us, where you talk to the magical screen, pull up to the window, and hope you get what you asked for. We're talking about a real prayer, real prayer that comes out of a real relationship with a real Heavenly Father, where you love the Father, but the Father also loves you, and you find yourself actually talking with God, communicating with Him. You're praising Him. You're thanking Him. Yes, you're asking Him for things, but He's not some cosmic divine drive through but He is actually your Heavenly Father who loves you, and you love Him. 
All right. So he's praying. And then what happens? Go ahead and put that passage back on the back of the screen. He's praying. What's the next three words there? The heavens were open. Anybody here want the heavens to open up? Someone said no. I love that. No. Holy Spirit, stay up there. No, the heavens are opened up. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Heaven open up. The Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And so here Jesus, he's getting baptized just like everybody else, even though, by the way, think about this. This gets your brain going. If you remember from last week, if you weren't here last week, go ahead and watch the or listen to the podcast online. But John's baptism, we're told John's baptism, again, was a baptism for re, of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Yes. Who in the history of humanity does not need to repent to receive the forgiveness of their sin? Who might that be? Yeah, absolutely. Jesus. Jesus. And yet Jesus, he's so good. He comes in. He gets into the water. He is identifying with all of us right at the beginning of his ministry. He is identifying himself with sinners like me. Sinners whom he came to save. And he gets baptized. Prays to his father. Heaven opens up and the Holy Spirit ascends on him like a dove. Just in case you were wondering if this guy, if he really is the one who's coming that John said last week that he was unworthy to even untie his sandals. If you were really wondering if this guy, if he's really the Messiah, if he's the king, here you go. You get this affirmation, this confirmation, this approval from the Father, from heaven above. Even hearing this approval, this confirmation of Jesus' identity as the Son, as God the Son, as the Father himself declares, you are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, I hope you notice something. I hope you notice something. By the way, this is why I love our daily reading plan here at the church, because I've read some passages in my daily reading plan quite a few times over the course of my life, and yet every time I read, I notice something. Anybody agree on that one? You ever read something you've read like a thousand times, and you're just like, what? Have you ever noticed, right? Just like, what? This this week. When Jesus rebukes his disciples, we were reading this week, some of you guys know what I'm talking about, uh, after he raised from the dead, right? He's, he's, the ascend, you know, he's uh, not ascended yet, but he's the resurrected Christ. And one of the first things he does, remember what he does? He rebukes the disciples for what? For not listening to the, the women's account of Jesus raising from the dead. I noticed that this week. If you want to hear from the Lord, if you want to uh, hear from the Lord and, and notice these things, by the way, this isn't magic. You read your Bible. Read your Bible. Put, your, put some work into your faith. Right? Come on. Get used to working this thing out. Read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. Read your Bibles. It will change your life. Anybody changed by the Word of God? Right? Changed by the Word of God. Read your Bible. It's going to change your life because, again, you're going to start noticing some things about God. And today I want you to notice something. In that verse, you see that? The Trinity showed up. See that? The Trinity shows up on the scene. Now, I'm the first to admit I do not understand everything about the Trinity. The one God in three persons. My, my brother used to say it was like Neapolitan ice cream, like three flavors of one ice cream. But I don't even think that really gets to it, though it is a tasty illustration. But it's not three gods. It's one God. But it's one God in three persons. Now, I believe it, I trust it, I preach it, I teach it. But there is certainly on this side of heaven a certain mystery to it. But this scene, 
oh, if I could have been a fly on a wall on that day, right? You know what I'm talking about? If you could have been there, if you could have been a fish swimming in the Jordan River on that day to see the baptism of Jesus, to see this Holy Trinity showing up, God the Son, having God the Holy Spirit ascend on Him as God the Father says, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, if you remember from the video last week, again, if you didn't watch the video, you can watch it last uh, uh, online. God the Father and His words, He's... What is he saying? He's saying two different Old Testament passages there, right? He's talking about Psalms chapter 2, verse 7, where the Father says to the Messiah that you are my son. And then back in Isaiah 42, verse 1, where he's talking about how God delights in this Messiah and he's going to be the servant who's going to suffer and die on the people's behalf. So this phrase is what the Father declares over his son. Uh, This is power-packed, declaring who Jesus is. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the fulfillment of these prophecies. And you can just see it. The Father is pleased with His Son. He is the Messiah. He is the deliverer of my people. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus' great moment of coming onto the scene, of starting His earthly ministry, of the Father showing His approval, have you noticed it happens amongst a bunch of normal, everyday people like you and me who need forgiveness for sin. See, I've been to Israel twice now. And if you're a religious leader, like if you're a guy, gal, trying to start something, right? You're trying to start a movement. Well, first, if you want to start something, you've got to know the right people, don't you? Right? If you want to start something, you've got to know the right people, just like today. If you want to start a pickle business, right? You're like, man, i just really into pickles. I want to start a pickle business. Well, what do you do? You go on Shark Tank. You go on Shark Tank. You make friends with the influencers, right? With the people with the money, with the people with the power. If you want to start something in Israel, you got to make friends with the religious leaders. You got to make friends with the influencers, with the people with power, the people with money. And all those people, by the way, where are they? They are not in the lake. They are not in the sea. They are in Jerusalem. They're by the temple. If you want to make this thing go, you got to make some friends with those religious leaders, the ones who seemingly hold those keys to the kingdom, so to speak. And yet, Jesus doesn't do that at all. In fact, I think Jesus does the complete opposite. He doesn't make it his goal to become friends with the religious elite. He doesn't become buddy-buddy with those with the power and the money. Instead, actually, as you keep on reading the Bible, you're going to find that Jesus is hanging out much more with crowds just like this. In fact, as you keep on reading your Bible, you're going to find out that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Did you know that? Jesus is a friend of sinners. He becomes known as the guy who's hanging out with the outcasts, with the forgotten, with the sick, with the prisoner, with the widow, with the orphan. Church, don't move past that too quickly. Don't move past that too quickly. See, he saw these people coming from all over the place. And they were coming out into the river. They were coming into the water because their hearts had been stirred. They had been gripped by something of John's message. Something happened within them where they said, man, i got to get baptized. i got to get right with God. i got to get in alignment with His kingdom. Regardless of how I've been living so far in my life, good, bad, or ugly, i got to get here. i got to repent. I need to receive forgiveness for my sins. And he saw this crowd of people who didn't sit on their high horses just ever, judging everybody else, but instead it was a crowd of people who humbly realized their desperate need for help it's right in the middle of this desperate crowd of sinners people just like you and me that the messiah the king god the son he comes in 
You know, it's almost as if he's saying, you know, you feel like you've been overlooked. You feel like you've been forgotten. You think that nobody cares what you're going through. But he shows up on the scene and he declares, you know what, I see you. I see you. I know you. And I got this. I got this. I'm going to do something for you that's never been seen before. I'm going to do something for my Father's glory. But I need you to hear this. It's also for you. It's for you. I got this. I came for you. And you will be forgiven. And you will be saved. Amen? See, Jesus, he initiates the advancement of God's heavenly divine kingdom here on earth, right in the middle of a bunch of needy people just like you and me. And through his life and through his death, he, the scripture tells us, he will fulfill all righteousness. Fulfill all righteousness. He will do for you and me what none of us could ever do for ourselves. And because of what he did, whoever comes to Jesus, even today, if you come to Jesus today, regardless of who you are, regardless of what you've done, you can exchange all of your sins for his righteousness. Praise the Lord. The heavens open up. The heavens open up. God's breaking into human history like never before. The day of salvation, the day of deliverance is coming to the world. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I just want to encourage you, please do not leave here without taking that step forward. It'll change your life forever. If you don't want change, maybe don't do that. But if you want change, if you want your life to be changed in the name of Jesus, say yes to him today. I'd love to talk to you more about that after service if if I'm talking to you. And then Luke begins with the genealogy of Jesus. Uh, Anyone just kind of skip through that part? There's a lot of names in there. I, I get it. I, I do too. Don't, no, no, no condemnation. Uh, genealogy. So you got Jesus' baptism. Then you got the genealogy. And then next week we're going to talk about his temptation, the temptation in the desert. Each one of these things highlighting, marking the Messiah, marking the king, that he's come, that he's on mission. He's on mission to do the Father's will to save the world. But I, I'm going to talk a little bit about the genealogy. I, I actually wrote a couple more pages about it. I'm not using that today. Um, it was nice someone who was actually here today uh, asked about the genealogy, and I was able to just send that right on to you and praise the Lord for that. But in this genealogy, again, I'm not even going to try to pronounce some of those names. There are some great names. If you're looking for names for your children, uh, just, just look in there. There's, try to spell that one. Yeah, um, good luck. But Luke takes us all the way back to the beginning, doesn't he? If, if you have your Bibles, if you have your smartphones. He takes you all the way back. He takes you through the line of David. He takes you through Abraham. He takes you all the way to Adam. And he doesn't even stop with Adam, right? If you've read that part, he says, to the son of Adam, to the son of God. The son of God. Adam, the son of God. Jesus, you just got to hear this. He's the culmination of all history, of all humanity. He's the hope of humanity. In the line of David, right, with the legal right to the throne of David. In the line of Abraham. Abraham, whom we're told of that covenantal blessings, that all nations on earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. And he takes you all the way back to Adam. If you would have taken my four gospels class over at the Life Ministry Institute, you would have heard me say that the book of Matthew's genealogy, it begins with Abraham. But Luke's goes all the way back to Adam. And why? Why? And I think this fits with the theme of Luke that we've been talking about almost every Sunday for the past few months. Because Jesus is not just the Jewish Messiah for the Jewish people. Though he is, he is also what? The Savior of the world for all humanity. 
That is, I hope you've gotten it by now through the first couple of chapters. This is Luke's great mission for writing his gospel to make it clear that Jesus is the good news of great joy for who? For all the people. Salvation for the world. And that's why he takes us all the way back to Adam, who is the father of everyone. But then he concludes this long genealogy by saying, Adam, the son of God. Adam, the son of God. Which is extremely important for next week's passage, that temptation of Jesus. Think about it. Adam, as the son of God, he disobeys and he fails when he faces temptation. But next week we're going to see how Jesus, as the son of God, he's going to succeed. And he is going to trust and obey his father perfectly. He's going to resist temptation. Praise the Lord. But as you look at his human genealogy from Adam all the way down the line, in fact, go ahead, I think I have a, a list of the names there. I was thinking about this week. There's a whole lot of disobedience in that list. And there's a lot of failure. I, can, I don't know these guys personally, but I'm assuming there's a whole lot of pain. There's people in that list who had terrible things done to them. But also sometimes those same people did terrible things to other people. Right? Think about David. I mean, we could pick anybody. But David, man after God's own heart, a lot of times just fleeing, people trying to kill him. And yet this same man, do you remember Uriah? He had Uriah killed. He sends Uriah to the front lines of the battle so that Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, would be what? Would be killed. Because it was a cover-up for David's affair. But it's a long genealogy. Seventy-seven names. And I was just thinking this week, just the weight of their sins. You just put them into a big pot, right? You just put them into a big bowl. The weight of their sins. Again, the sins done against them, but also the sins they committed. The weight of it all. The mess of it all. The darkness of it all. And then, you know, Jesus is at the end of that line. Just think about all the sins that have been committed in the last 2,000 years. Just think about the evil that's happened this week. Terrible, awful, tragic things that have happened this year. I just think about my own life. The sins that I have committed in my 38 years on this earth. The weight of my sin. And yet Luke is beginning to describe through this baptism, through this genealogy and through the temptation that we'll cover next week. He's describing that someone has come. The one has come. The anointed one. The chosen one. The Messiah. Jesus has come. And he's going to pay the price for all of it. He's going to pay the price for all of it. In fact, Peter talks. He quotes Isaiah here. But in chapter 2, verse 24 of 1 Peter, he's quoting Isaiah 53, and I know most of you guys know that, but he says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. We just kind of skirt right on past that phrase. That's huge, church. That, we don't even understand it, really. But it's whatever you think it is, it's bigger. It's kind of embarrassing, isn't it, how we kind of just spit on his grace and take advantage of phrases like this. Jesus bore our sin on the cross. 
Go ahead and put that list up there. Oh, it's a big list, church. You add me to that list, it gets bigger. So that me, we might die to sins. And what? Live for righteousness. Live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he says, God who made him who had no sin. Who's he talking about there? Jesus, amen. Made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. Acts 13, one of my favorite passages here. This is uh, uh, in, in the New Testament again. Here he's talking, uh, chapter 13, he says, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And look at this, 39. Through him, through Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. Did you know that was in the Bible? Through him, everyone who believes is set, what? Set free from how many sins? Every sin. All of them. At a specific moment in time, not too late, not too early, right on time, Jesus comes. He comes to carry the weight of the world's sins on his shoulders so that we would be set free. He came for people just like you and me. You know, I was thinking about it. If I was to look at my own human genealogy, there's a lot of tough things in there. There's beautiful things in there. But there's some tough things in there as well. People who were sinned against. I I just was reading about how my great-grandfather lost the farm, tried to uh, uh, invest in copper or something like that. It was a total sham. There was no copper company. He just ended up giving their uh, deed to their farm to this guy and lost it. But sinned against, but also sinned against others, just like David. And it's messy, it's dark, and it's weighty. It's weighty. Our genealogies, there's a weight to it. But today, church, I do not have to be identified by my earthly family tree. I want to say that again. I do not have to be identified by my earthly family tree. As much as I love my family, I heard that my dad might be coming to service, second service. I hope he does. I love my family, but my true identity, my life is not found in my family. It's found in who I am in Christ and what Christ did for me through his life and through his death. Listen to this one, John chapter 1, verse 12. You've heard it before, but receive the truth today. He said, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become what? Children of God. Children of God, even to those who believe in his name. By putting my faith in Jesus, I have become a child of God. I am now put smack dab in the middle of the genealogy of the divine creator of heaven and earth. Galatians chapter 4 tells us, When the fullness of all time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive what? Adoption. Adoption as sons and daughters. In Christ's church, I declare I am redeemed. I am forgiven. I am set free. I declare this over you, church. In Christ, you are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are set free. You are a set free daughter or son of God. 
See, your human genealogy does not define you any longer. Yes, it is a part of your story. But remember, you are defined by the blood of Jesus. Again, we just read it in the book of Acts. Through him, through Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. If you know that you came from a generational line of abusers, you can be set free from that in the name of Jesus. If you know there's a pattern of divorce from generation to generation, you can be set free in the mighty name of Jesus. If you've inherited a love of alcohol, Jesus can set you free. If you've been passed down a spirit of infidelity in the name of Jesus, you can be set free. Jesus saw you. He saw you standing in the river. Right? Because your heart was stirred. And you came from all over the region. And you came into the river because you knew you needed something. But Jesus saw you. He saw how dejected you were. He saw how you could barely lift your head, the weight of your shame, the weight of your guilt. You barely could open your eyes. But he saw you. He saw how you were overwhelmed. He saw you how you were consumed by temptation. He saw that you didn't even know how to move on and you questioned whether you could even keep it going. But I think he would have said what I think he said back then. He would say it to you today. I see you. I see you and I got this. You will be forgiven. You will be saved. You will be set free. Hallelujah. I, I think for some of us today, we just need to get back down to the river. You know what I'm talking about? We got to get back into the water and get right with God. And I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about whether you're going to heaven or not. What I'm talking about is you know there are areas where you've been living defined by your earthly genealogy instead of your divine genealogy. Right? We all, we all understand this, right? We have been making choices. We have been making our decisions based on who we are in the flesh compared to who we are by the Spirit of God. And today, I just think some of us need to take an active step forward. An active step forward that says, I choose today. I will not live my life based on who my parents say I am, who my friends say I am, whom the devil says I am. But I'm choosing to live my life by who you say I am. I'm chosen, not forsaken. You're for me. You're not against me. That worship team, come on up. It's just some of us, we need to get back into the river. Because just like those people at the Jordan who had come out to hear John, to be baptized by John, something was stirring up within them. Something was stirring up in those waters. I think some of us, I know for myself this week, something's stirring up in me, something's stirring up in some of you. And if that's you, if you just know God is stirring something up within you today, this is why I'd ask that you'd come forward. That you'd take the step forward right now. That you would come forward and just present your life once again before the Lord. And again, you're not alone when you come forward. There's millions of people all over this earth right now that are radically coming forward to pursue the Lord. You are not alone in your devout, faithful, radical obedience to Jesus. You're not alone. So just come forward, present yourself. We got some room up here. Just present yourself before the Lord. He loves you. He's for you. He died for you. He's forgiven you. He's adopted you. And he's set you free. 
He set you free, that you would come forward. You'd receive once again all that Jesus would want to give to you. Come forward. Would you come forward? Church, would you just reach out your hands to the Lord today? Reach out your hands to the Lord today. I heard a preacher say this week, let us not be too proud to beg that we would humble ourselves and come before the Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, so many times when we take these stands, we identify it to the person to our left or to our right, but would you remind us that in this world, Americans, we just don't even get it. Like we're, we're kind of behind the game, so to speak, Lord. There's a radical pursuit of your presence happening all over this world right now. And right now as we come forward, we are identifying with those who have come forward. That when they went into those waters, they were mocked, they were ridiculed. When they identified with Jesus, they were mocked, ridiculed, some even killed. That it will never be the popular thing. It will never be what the in crowd does. It will never be what the mass of humanity does. There's always something that says, though none go with me, still I will follow. There's always going to be an uncomfortable part of it that says, I'm going to step out into unknown waters. I'm going to step out into something that is new, something that is unknown, something that I can't control, something I can't even define. But I'm stepping out to get right with you, Lord, to say, God, my life is yours. All that I am is yours. All that I am is yours. And, Lord, we pray right now. We pray against any area where Satan has tried to define us. Any area where our failures have tried to define us. Any area where we've allowed the sins of our past, sins done to us, but also sins we've committed to define us. Lord, would you remind us in this moment we are set free from every sin. Set free from every sin. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord, we believe that every person right now who believes in you, Jesus, is set free from every sin. Lord, we cry out for your Holy Spirit to fall on us again. Lord, I pray for each one that stepped forward that there would be an empowerment of your Spirit now in the name of Jesus. An infilling of your Spirit now in the name of Jesus. Lord, the, the history of the last hundred years of the outpouring of your Spirit is when your Spirit comes upon your people, there's a call into ministry, not full-time working at a church, but to do the things that you've called us to do. I pray that for every person who's come forward, there would be just a radical encounter with your Spirit, that they would, from this moment on, Lord, be radically changed to live the life you've called them to live. Lord, that their places of work, their places of influence, their families, their homes, uh, their, their places of employment, the, the, the places, their communities, their towns would be radically changed by their commitment to come forward and get right with you, God. I pray that over my life as well, Lord, this would be a radical encounter that I would have with you, Jesus, that I could say this is the day that I turned right instead of going left. I went up instead of going down. Lord Jesus, I give you permission to radically move in my life today. Lord, we cry out for your spirit to fall on us. Give us the strength. Give us the wisdom that we need. Lord, you've called us to live vibrant, life-giving, life-loving, joy-filled, vibrant lives. And we turn to you knowing that you're going to give us everything we need to live those lives. In fact, again, I just stand with my brothers and sisters, and we declare this, that you are not abandoning us that you will never forsake us. We declare, church, uh, that we are trusting in you, God. We're trusting in you, God. We're trusting that you will never leave us. 
In fact, in this moment, visually, I think uh, what I thought about even this week as I was going through my own life is, God, I am running back to you into your loving arms. I'm running to you, Lord. I'm running to you, Lord, knowing that you're running for me, but I'm also running to you. Yes, you're the Savior, but God, I run to you as my Savior. Knowing there's a place for me in my Father's house. Jesus, purify us. Wash us. Just wash us. Just the waters. Just wash us. Wash us, Lord. Wash every person here. Just wash them, Lord. Wash them. A wave of your spirit. Just wash them, Lord. Wash them, God. Wash them, Lord. That they no longer, just even as the washing is, that you are no longer identified by this world. You are no longer defined by the things of this world. You are no longer defined by the darkness and the evil and the filth of this world. You are washed. You are washed. You are identified in the name of Jesus. You are identified by the blood of Jesus. You're identified by what Jesus has done for you. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say. Just stretch your hands out to the Lord. Say, I'm chosen. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. Oh, Lord, you are for me, Lord. Oh, you are not against me, Lord. Oh, I am who you say I am. I am chosen, and I am chosen. I will not be defined by the enemy. I will not be marked by the enemy. I am holy. I am blameless. I am perfect. I've been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. I am a chosen child of God. I'm adopted into the family. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I am a chosen one of God. I am chosen one of God. Hallelujah. Declare, church, I am who you say I am. You are for me, Lord. You're not against me. You are. You are for me, Lord. Hallelujah. 